This is Paul T. Taylor, and you're listening to the Then Is Now podcast, you lucky so-and-sos. Warning! Warning! Today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. of Halloween. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to Then Is Now Podcast's 2023 edition of 13 Days of Hallotober. I am your host, Rigor, and joining me once again is the awesome Prince Regent of Electronic Dance Music, Dantes Alexander. Welcome, Dantes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome, awesome. I'm glad you could join me for this one. It's, we, I think we're going to have an interesting uh, conversation about this movie. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I have conflicted emotions about this one. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, this is our penultimate episode in this year's 13 Days, and next episode will be our Wolfman Roundup, in which we'll discuss the original Wolfman from 1941 and its 2010 remake. And it's also going to be on video, so you may want to hop over to YouTube when that posts and uh, our YouTube page and check that one out. Now, as you can tell, our topic this year is obviously werewolf films. And on this episode, we are going to discuss the classic 1961 Hammer film, Curse of the Werewolf, directed by legendary director Terrence Fisher and the always awesome Oliver Reed. So, uh, Dantes, I'm gonna—I'm sure I know the answer to this, but are you familiar with the Hammer films and its stars like Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee? You know, ironically, I—I I had no idea that I was family. Like I knew knew of him <laughs> i just didn't know that that was him you know what i mean you um, oliver reed yes I, I was like oh my god i'm like this is a hammer film yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm like is this what i think it is i was like I, I i told my spouse i'm like i feel so bad that i i didn't know anything about this movie until you said something about it but i'm so glad that this is definitely one of my uh new new favorites it's an interesting film and i definitely want to say thank you again for uh making me watch this because i you know like i said i had no idea that it, number one it was a hammer film and then two also you know in the werewolf canon i think this is a very important film you know yeah. very important <laughs> 
Yeah, and folks, this is our first foray on the show into the films of Hammer Studios. Uh, so for those who don't know, since this is probably the first film by Hammer that we've covered, obviously, um, here's a brief history of the company. They basically, uh, they're a London-based British company founded in 1934. They're best known for their series of gothic horror and fantasy films that were made from the mid-1950s until the 1970s. And many of them involve classic horror characters. They're basically remakes of the old Universal films. You've got, you know, uh, Frankenstein, Count Dracula, The Mummy, um, which Hammer kind of reintroduced to audiences in the 50s by filming them in vivid color for the first time. Oh, oh, can I, I'm sorry, can I just cut you off? No, really go right quickly? ahead. Because I am not joking. There was a scene, and it was, I, I don't want to jump. But I, and you probably know which scene I was talking. I'm talking about or I'm, I'm referencing. There was a scene in the jail where, and of course we're all aware that this is in color, you know. But there's a scene where the the girl—that's what I will call her until we start talking about the movie—is <laughs> you know um, with her back, um, you know, towards the uh, wall and the the ranged man is walking towards her. And even though that was in color, it was a beautiful shot because for that moment, it only looked like um, the female was in color. And I said, damn it, that bastard. He probably did that on purpose. It was just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of, do you know what scene I'm talking about? Or am I uh, weird? Is that at the beginning when she's in the yes. prison? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, dude! That I was like, oh God, yeah. I'm like, this is the stuff here. I like, I was sold at that moment. But yes, please, please, Rigor. That's fine. <laughs> Take us. <laughs> so, uh, just uh, Hammer also produced a bunch of science fiction movies, thrillers, film noirs, and comedies. And then in later years, they did television shows. Um, they pretty much dominated the horror film market for ages. And um, they, you know, they they had American companies distributing their films, like United Artists, and Warner Brothers, and Universal. So there's pretty much all of them out there. Um, they had saturated the market of horror films, but um, I'm sorry, during the late 1960s and 70s, the saturation of the horror film market by competitors and the loss of American funding kind of forced them to change their their lucrative formula that Hammer used to have. And, you know, they had varying degrees of success, and they finally ended up stopping production in the mid-'80s. Um, in 2000, this, um, they were bought by a consortium, and nothing ever happened with them. And they got bought again in 2007 by this Dutch media tycoon who bought the entire back catalog of nearly 300 films. Um, and they have produced films from like 28, I'm sorry, 2008 to 2019. They did ones like um, Let Me In, The Quiet Ones, The Resident, Woman in Black. So they've been trying to make a comeback. But um, Dante's, I think you're going to be in for a treat as we delve into the Hammer film, The Curse of the Werewolf. The Curse of the Werewolf that was laid on a baby who grew into a man possessed by a monster. To this Spanish town, the night brought drinking and dancing, music and girls, and the moon. The full moon that turned an innocent man into a savage beast. The curse of the werewolf. A man possessed by a desperate need for love, who found in Christina all the passionate sincerity of youth. Christina, do you love me? Will you marry me, Christina? 
You say you love me, will you marry me? Born on Christmas Day, Leon is the child of a poor serving girl raped by a mad beggar who himself was driven insane by a nobleman's cruelty. He's raised in the home of Don Alfredo Corledo, his kind and loving adoptive father. When he leaves Don Alfredo to find work, Leon discovers that he has increasingly violent urges and learns that he's inherited a terrible curse from the tragic circumstances of his conception. Although these tendencies are calmed by Leon's love for the beautiful Christina, he ultimately cannot contain his curse and transforms into a werewolf, terrorizing the Spanish countryside, and only true love may be able to save him. So, all right, since this is a first viewing for you, what was your first impression? You know... <clears throat> I'm a big sucker for, you know, being a retro person, you know, I'm a big sucker for fucking costumes. Can we, yeah, we can curse on this show. Oh, absolutely. We I'm can. a big, big fucking sucker for costumes, obviously. No shocker, right? I'm a, you know, entertainer. like costumes. So when it first came on, I was just so delighted. You know, I felt, I felt immediately, I felt warm and I felt safe. <laughs> did. And I, felt, I, I did because, you know, I just the costumes, the costumes were, um, very whimsical, and I appreciated the production value. That's one of the things that I noticed immediately um, watching the film. Not to say that our modern films obviously don't have that. You know, they work so hard to recapture what it is that, um, you know, Hammer and, you know, some of his other, you know, contemporaries at the time did. But it was just so effervescent. Like the colors were beautiful. Um, I did have a note, though, about the wigs. I thought the wigs were were a little questionable <laughs> um but you know like i said i felt safe i got shocked i went from being safe to feeling shocked when when the gentleman arrived at town and uh you know he went to the tavern and he was speaking with you know the town hungry you know beat up worn out and you know i was like god these are some of the rudest fucking people <laughs> <laughs> And, and and like and when I say rude, like I mean these were some of the most sarcastic people yeah. that I have ever, I mean, ever come across, like ever in my life, like on film or like in person. <laughs> and and I was just so shocked by that. They're like, Yeah, hey, we're broke. Um, the Marcus is, you know, he's he's got all of our money, honey. We've paid all of our taxes. You know, if you want any damn uh charity from us, you're best to go take your ass walking up that and I laughed and I said, no, he didn't take his stupid self up there <laughs> 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 to expect some charity. So I went again from feeling warm and safe to being aghast when he walked <laughs> into the fucking Marcus's like, I mean, these were the rudest motherfucking people I have ever seen. I'm going to continue to say that. 
you know, yeah. uh, and, and I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, no, why, why, why couldn't they just, you know, give the man, you know, food. And then they made him basically drink himself into a stupor right. and crawl around on the floor for a piece of meat. And I remember turning to my spouse, I even wrote it down here on the notebook saying rude motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> serves them right if anything happens exclamation point right um but you know like i said you know immediately like you know just in the beginning of the film you know for me you know being a musician and being an artist and entertainer i was just attracted to the costumes the sets um immediately honestly rigor i saw a a a half attempt at a tribute to this particular film through the wolfman which which we cover right uh, the remake i believe that what was that 2010 i think 2010 yeah yeah um i saw a, a an attempt at paying homage to that actually today while watching this film um but i definitely think it is not really a horror film to me it's more of a serious uh it's a drama and and I was very shocked by like the level of, um, you know, the actors' performances. Like I just you know immediately when the Universal sign came on, I got excited. I'm like, like this is Universal. <laughs> well, I think Universal distributed it. The Hammer Hammer made it. Okay, right. Well, I just know that whenever I see Universal, I know that they are king and queen of monster, and I just have to watch it. Yeah. And I was just really shocked with, you know, the performance of, you know, all of the actors, you know, in the film. I didn't even realize, truthfully, that, you know, there was a wolf man, <laughs> you know, until later in the film. But I, I really honestly enjoyed it. Um, you know, I really sort of have mixed feelings, too, because I, I just wish that the last 45 minutes of this film happened a lot sooner. Right, right. And I, I agree with that. And I'll, I'll get into that later on when we get to it. But um, I don't remember when I first saw this, but it was one of those films that was on TV when I was growing up as a kid. Um, so I, I grew up with the Hammer films. So I, we, me and my friends, we all knew who, you know, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and you know, even Oliver Reed were. And um, we were always big fans. Um, so I, I became a lifelong fan of Hammer, you know, the actors, the writers, directors. And I definitely agree with what you said. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad like this is your first foray into it because you kind of nailed it on the head because they're well known for these lush, lavish, gothic films with the, like you said, with the costumes and the set pieces. Yeah, the wigs were bad. And if when we get to it at another point, if we watch another one of their movies, they'll... um. They can't do bats to save their lives. They just look so horrible. <laughs> but this, this is one, and I think this was the, the warm feeling that you were saying was the same thing I was getting rewatching it last night. I hadn't seen this in quite a few years. Um, it just, for me, was fun to watch late at night, and it's one of those movies that I could watch again at, like, midnight, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, and I didn't have any popcorn. Like, and that would have really sealed the fate for me. And there you go. <laughs> like, it just was really, guys, it was one of those films. And I have not, I have not actually experienced, I think, a film like that in such a long time where, like, I was thoroughly entertained and did not want to grab my fucking phone. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I am so grateful. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, you know. And it's funny, you're absolutely right. Like, it takes a while to really get to the 
heart. And that's one that's one criticism I do have of this movie is that it it does take a while to get to the werewolf part of the film. But um, you know, I always wanted more from this too because they did so. All right, so when Hammer did the Frankenstein series of movies because i forget they they did like seven or eight frankenstein movies and seven or eight dracula films um the the frankenstein was actually peter cushing playing dr frankenstein and he was the main character in all of the movies not the monster he would create a different monster in each movie um but i always liked that aspect of it and i wanted another curse of the werewolf movie i wanted to see oliver reed do it again but um they just didn't they i don't know they didn't do a franchise you know with with this yeah. character, but so the film, as I mentioned, was directed by legendary uh, Terrence Fisher. You know, we could do a whole show on him. We probably will at some point. Um, he hit the ground running in 1957 with The Curse of Frankenstein, that starred, as I said, Peter Cushing as Doctor Frankenstein, and Christopher Lee starred as the monster. Um, then that f- they followed that up with another international hit called The Horror of Dracula in 1958, which actually it was released in England as Dracula, but Universal was like, uh, no, you can't call that Dracula here because we already have a Dracula with Bela Lugosi. <laughs> um, also with, with um, Peter Cushing playing Van Helsing pretty much throughout the series of that. And Christopher Lee played Dracula also throughout it. And th- there's a lot involved in that. And Christopher Lee kind of got tired of doing it and... Um, we'll get into that on another show, but uh, those two just did tons of films together, including including a couple of my favorites, which was uh, um, actually they didn't do these two films together uh, individually. Peter Cushing was in Island of Terror from 1966, which I absolutely love. Have and seen then, oh, you've seen you've seen that? I have seen that. And the, I have. the the turtle creatures that suck your bones out. Yes, yes. Yeah. I have to say, like I, 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 you know, I honestly, you know, and my introduction to Christopher Lee, unfortunately, was through the Star Wars films, and I say oh. that because. That was not, um, you know, his, you know, penultimate work. Um, and and, and no, in no shade to, you know, George Lucas. I mean, that, you know, these are the Star Wars films with Christopher Lee by this point, you know, had already done, you know, some major work. And that was my introduction to him. So going back, you know, I, you know, had to go back to these films, you know, after, you know, watching, you know, Star Wars as a point of reference, because remember, he was Count Dooku. Um, that's right yeah he was count dooku and uh so you know i wanted to know you know who you know who this guy was and i went back and you know and watched that film and i i became a christopher lee you know fan i really did nice nice um, have you seen um one of my favorite lee movies the devil rides out no it's actually on my list of of stuff to watch it's actually it's on my youtube actually in my watch later like because i purchased it and i i did not finish watching it thank god for youtube but i should have that on dvd or yeah CD. i have it on Blu-ray, i think yeah i love sorry guys right. own own your media support us artists never exactly. never never i mean you can you can but but i would prefer you purchase right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so this was written by uh anthony hines who pretty much wrote all the films that um um Terrence Fisher directed, including Curse of Frankenstein, Horror of Dracula, and those. Um, I don't have too much to say about the cast except for Oliver Reed. I really want to talk about Oliver Reed. Now, he's been in tons of horror movies over the years. Uh, He was in The Brood, uh, Burnt Offerings, Venom, Spasms. He's had so many great horror movie roles. But he was a badass in real life. Had you seen him in a film before? No. This was my first outing actually seeing him. And I thought he really nailed this performance. Um, I don't know what his status was before 
um, you know, doing this this film. But I, I certainly would would imagine, you know, after doing a role like this, like this motherfucker was taken to like the edge of madness and yeah. almost like how Heath Ledger was so consumed with being the Joker. Um, like I I felt the trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of of you know carrying that burden his performance was dope it really was it really was you know it really was yeah oh I, yeah yeah I, I, like what other um <clears throat> what other films has he been in that i should should put on my list oh Please. definitely the brood that's a um dave cronenberg film um no dave cronenberg so i don't yeah. have to, I, I know this is good <laughs> yeah. burnt offerings like i said venom is fun uh spasms i have on vhs i haven't seen hey, it maybe he was so in burnt offerings Yes. Yep. Oh, with, okay. With and see, and that's another, yeah. And see, and those that's one of those movies that you know I would see laying around the house as a kid, and I just totally just you know, nope, not gonna watch it. So yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I saw that at the drive-in. Um, so, so the bottom line is that Oliver Reed was the baddest badass who ever asked. <laughs> and you know, and it's funny that you know we're talking about this because I feel like um, ben Benicio del Toro's performance and. The Wolfman was based, even his whole entire uh, character was heavily, heavily influenced by um, Oliver Reed's performance in this film. Did you get that that vibe, Roger? You know, now that I think about it, yes, I did. I, I hadn't thought of it when I watched the movie, but after rewatching this, yeah. And that's why, I feel like that's why Benicio got panned, because he didn't have like that, excuse me, like... Like uh, no no homo, but he didn't have like that fucking like macho sexy like effortless cool that Oliver had. You know, it was very put on. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he he was this hard drinking, tough talking motherfucker. He was more interested in getting into bar fights than his acting career. Um, you know, they they considered him at one point to replace Bond, and Ooh. they he. Basically, who, he, who he was, are you talking about? Oliver Reed. Really? They wanted him to play James Bond, but his reckless personal life, um, you know, didn't match up with the charming, sophisticated secret agent. Uh, so, I it, mean, I can see it. You'd give him the blonde. I mean, he's got the personality, and he didn't care. You know, most people would have been go blonde. Yeah, no kidding. Most people would have been pissed off if you know they they got offered James Bond and got denied it, and he's like, he didn't give a shit. And, you know, the funniest one, um, uh, he, where, where is it? I had it written down in my things. He, uh, oh, yeah, he, he puked on Steve McQueen at one point. Um, he now, was in the Steve movie McQueen Gladiator. Say? What? What did Steve McQueen say? I don't remember. I I've, I've, I just read read some facts online, and I, that was I know I had heard that story looked before. looked like he liked to kick ass, too, I, now. Yeah, I think they, he was pretty pissed. Um he was in. He died when they were making uh, Gladiator. He was in Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Okay. And um, they so they had to spend like three million dollars to digitally recreate his face. Um, the the best one though, like well, first of all, this is not the best one yet. But uh, he got stabbed in the throat while filming a sword fight for 1973's uh, The Three Musketeers, uh, which would have killed an ordinary person, but it did not kill him. Wow. Because <laughs> he was so tough. He's uh, a fighting guy. This one's great, though. He turned down the role of Quint in Jaws because he thought Jaws was boring and gay. <laughs> really? 
Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, he's an old. He's a. He's by. He was an old school guy. I guess he he preferred his horror probably like his drinks. He wanted it stiff and he wanted it right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, on his last trip to the bar, he was sixty-one years old at this point, working on um, on Gladiator. On his lunch break, he goes to a bar, orders uh, three. He consumes three bottles of Captain Morgan Jamaican rum, eight bottles of German beer, and several doubles of famous Grouse whiskey. And the bar tab basically came to like seven hundred and twenty-five dollars. And um, he ended up basically beating the shit out of like a group of uh, navy uh, navy sailors. <laughs> yeah, he totally was about that life, huh? Yeah, yeah. So he <laughs> he went out the way he wanted, man. You know, he was just like I said, the baddest badass of asses ever. <laughs> uh, well, he definitely had some chemistry with uh, Yvonne Roman, uh, or would have had some chemistry with her. I was sort of I was sort of wishing, you know, when I saw her come on the screen, I I was like, oh, there. But no, I was kind of let down. That was that yeah, was yeah. <laughs> There was one other guy in here um, at the very be uh, the beginning, like you mentioned, when the when the beggar goes to the Marquis' place, mm -hmm. the guy that opens the door, and it was funny because he's uncredited, but I, I recognized his face right away. That's Desmond Llewellyn. He played Q in the James Bond films. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, wow. It's, oh, no, you know, it, it's what we call a boom box. <laughs> and it launches a rocket. Yeah. I remember, that's the bald guy, right? Uh, not really bald. He was... Um, he um he had hair he was thinning but um he he played Q in like I'm trying to remember like almost I don't know like ten Bond movies. I have to watch watch. I'm gonna have to see if I can find a clip of that so I can look at that opening again. Well, yeah. Oh, oh! You mean in the movie was he bald? Um, I don't remember. I thought he had one of those old-fashioned like wigs on, like that men used to wear. That even oh, I'm thinking about someone else then. So no, I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, this is Hammer's only werewolf film, and it was the first werewolf film to be shot in color. Can we talk about uh, the Marcus for a second? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, in his in his performance. <laughs> like I mean and first of all I was surprised when he got up from his grand table at how tall he was yeah I was like holy cow this is a tall asshole <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and I said to myself oh my god like he is like like I mean all of these guys were at the top of their game and I I got a bit of madness from him too in that role because he completely lost himself in that role um i mean and and even you know in the middle of the film when we saw him when his face had turned you know awful he was still an asshole yeah <laughs> uh, and i you know i i don't know if i'm jumping around here or not no no it's totally fine i wrote down when the buxom slave girl uh you know, made her appearance to him or whatever. Um, when he hit on her, I I cracked up so hard because he remember he threw her in jail and he told her, "Oh, maybe you'll learn to play nice next time." Or <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or show some respect, you know. And and I wrote down, "Sexist bullshit probably would not happen in real life." 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then again, it was a film of its time also, too. Um, you know, because I, I, I can't help but also talk about that, too. You know, like the the portrayal of um help me rigor what is her name in the movie in the movie oh, uh uh if, well, yvonne romaine was the servant girl was it christina no yeah, she was his mother the slave girl yeah her yeah uh, she you know and she was really dynamic too because i mean she didn't really you know live the whole entire film but just the over sexualization of her um I mean, she was really stunning, though, too. I mean, I mean, she was very, very stunning. But her, I don't know if her performance was so stunning to me just because it was not overtly sexual or if she was a great actress. I can't tell. <laughs> I think all the Hammer women were great. You know, there's, they, they're famous for having these buxom, like you said, buxom women. That I'm are just... like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, she came on the screen and I'm like, wow. They've really got her oiled up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they really got her oiled up. And then what? it really shocked me when I actually started putting two and two together. I said, no, no, baby. What baby? <gasps> no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, did the old guy rape her? But, and also in that moment, I also had a, a flashback to another film um the nightmare on elm street series where they did the backstory to um you know to fred krueger right remember his mother was you know raped by you know like maniacs maniacs yeah you know, maniacs whatever and i said boy you know it's amazing how you know film or or a piece of art can you know reverberate down time and i see so many you know direct you know connections to this film you know right it, 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 and this came out in 1961 so when you know that movie that we're talking about now you know the nightmare on elm street series you know we're already what 20 something years out right right because it so, was what, in the 80s so. in the 80s yeah so you know i'm you know this is my first time feeling seeing this movie but i'm feeling like this is a very important film um in the and I hate calling it a horror film because I really feel, Roger, that that does this film a disservice. Like the like, it is a thriller to me, like a dramatic thriller. Like it is, it's it's not, it's not a horror film in that old fashioned sense. Like they were making them at that period. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't have a comical tinge to it either, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I loved the the. Um, what's the word i'm looking for the intensity mm. of it. Does, is that is that a good word absolutely yeah yeah now now just before we started recording you mentioned you thought it was hilarious too though i, I was just curious i wonder if you could expand on that and, I, and well I, when i said it was hilarious i thought it was hilarious just from an intellectual standpoint by putting two and two together um like there were some things that i that you didn't catch immediately Right. Uh, you know, like some of the sexual lines to the women, like, I, you know, they totally went over my head. And I'm like, you know how you drop your mouth and you're like, oh, my God, did he, did yeah. he really just say what I thought he said? But that also gives credit to the way that the British portray their humor. Right. And, right. 
you know, I think had that actually been an American film, I think it would have been far more abrasive than, right. than what it was. And that's why it went over my head. And I think that's why it, it, it you know, I called it hilarious was because it, it was intellectually smart too. Yes. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was, it was sexy, but it wasn't offensive, you know? Well, that's what I was going to bring up is that the, the, as awful as the rape scene is, it's, tastefully done like like you said you didn't even realize it until she had the baby you know (laughs) seriously like and i said that i'm like damn i've been watching i've been watching this movie for you know and really into it and i just realized that she got raped because they didn't portray it like that right so right and I just want to quickly, um, uh, on a side note here, touch on what you had just mentioned a little while ago was how, like you said, this movie has reverberate, reverberated down through the decades. So, for example, in The Howling from 1981, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, all the characters are named after werewolf film directors. That I think we talked. Oh no, you yeah. weren't on the on the Howling show, but I wasn't on that. But yeah. I realized that because I, 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 well, I did watch that movie because I, I just in my mind, you know, when you asked me to do it, I just sort of. Yeah, I sort of pre because I didn't know what shows you were going to have me on. So I wanted to sort of kind of have a leg up on some of them. Right. Uh, right. This is, you know, I, I and I, I love that, you know, that they did that um, because it shows that we take this shit for granted now because, you know, we see werewolves now. Um, we've seen them so much now that, you know, we can't appreciate, you know, the real form of one when we see one because we've gotten so, you know, uh, used to seeing a super stacked, you know, uh, muscle bound werewolf. Right, right. <laughs> you know, in actuality, that was never the way that they were intended to be perceived, you know? Right. Lon Chaney Jr. was not ripped at all. <laughs> no, no, no. And he wasn't and, fat, but. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, but, but I, I, I like, even though these were older films, I think what, what people appreciate the most about them is the sense of realism in the stories right. you know we have millions of fucking dollars and all i like roger i have six computers sitting in this room right now and even with all of my six computers we still think that we can tell stories better with a computer versus you know a real human being <laughs> right right <laughs> actually you know what i mean yeah and you know so at the end of the day you know like i, I sometimes i sort of say to myself i feel you know very gypped because i came along a little late and you know and and we've just gotten used to you know everything being you know so uber computerized and not appreciating the actual art you know that goes into making these projects um you right. know and myself as being an actor you know as well um and i haven't been on anything you know in a couple of years but you know and i've never been on a big film like that you know i've been on tv so there's a, a big difference but when you're working on a big film like that you know, it is a artistic project that, you know, all of these artists collaborate on to bring this vision to life. And I enjoy, you know, this film just because I saw the collaboration between all of the artists, you know, on this fucking film. The costumes were, I mean, those motherfuckers were on point. I mean, the colors were were vivid. I didn't, I couldn't tell if they had those on the back lot or if some bitch showed those. I mean... <laughs> Right, right, and that's the thing—the colors, man, the blood, the uh, the bright red blood. You know, that's what what made these movies stand out. You know, and everything pops when you're watching it, especially and, on the big screen. Yes, and 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 I and I don't know why I was so shocked by that. 
Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And it was shocking to audiences of its day. Like I said, even though they implied what happened, just the overall movie itself and a lot of their films were just shocking because people were coming off of the black and white universal films where you didn't see any blood or anything, you know, so. And, and I mean, the, the fact even, that it's still shocking you today is a testament to the the longevity of this movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, the photography, you know, the cinematic uh, photography, you know, just just absolutely, absolutely beautiful since we're talking about color now. Um, you know, I. That honestly, like, I don't I don't know, you know, what. But that was Oscar worthy i'm sure at that point in time i don't know did they get any any nominations for for I, um, I don't think so horror movies were were looked down on back then well, i don't see, think it was that, till the, silence of the lambs that was the fact the no not the first because frederick march won it won the best actor for um uh jekyll and hyde back in the 40s but beyond that it wasn't until really silence of the lambs that horror movies got any props except for maybe special effects and see and that's why Dog, I'm sorry. Was it was it Dog Soldiers? What we watched? Yeah, that's why Dog Soldiers did what they did because they wanted it to be viewed as an action film, so they can have some respect as opposed to doing it as a horror film. You know, and 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 it would have been, and it's 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 sad that you know horror films, even still to this day, Rigor, you know horror at like, you know, think of the first projects that you know most actresses you get when they first start working usually they are horror role yeah, yeah. Um, you know and a lot of those actresses even still to this day don't really get a lot of respect um you know that some of their you know other peers you know have gotten just because you know i guess back then you know horror movies were looked at like b movies sort of maybe yeah yeah but i mean all of these films are I, I I wish that we could have like, and I don't think AMC really does like all all of these channels now are so networky. It just makes me sick. Like even right. AMC, American Movie Channel, there's hardly any damn American movies on there. There's mostly reality shows. Oh God, I know. <laughs> Although well, I did notice though, Peacock. Uh, excuse me, Peacock has been playing the Universal classics, and they played this one. Yes, so. and I, I watched that on uh, Peacock actually. Yeah. Now. That's where I was. Yeah, I was surprised that it was actually on there because this is like you just don't. This to me actually belongs in like the Criterion collection. Um, yeah, I, mean, I haven't because, looked up like what versions are out there on Blu-ray and who's put them out, but like I think this movie actually should probably be pre like be preserved by the Library of Congress or it, it, it being culturally significant. Like I feel like it is, it's that important, and also too. Un unbeknownst to me while I was watching it, um, first first vampire, excuse me, first werewolf film in color, like you said. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, to me, you know, is is enough beyond the, the fabulous acting and costumes is enough for it to be, you know, petitioned for, you know, Library of Congress. What do you know? Like... <laughs> Anything? I don't I have to look anything? it up. Let's see. I can look it up real quick here. No, I'm being serious. Like, and, and I mean, this movie for me is like a, a redefining of what had been done up to that point about, you know, the the, the storylines of vampires were always and and werewolves were sort of 
um, very rigid, you know, and this was the first that sort of, um, you know, added some modern touches to it. <laughs> right, right. Which, by the way, I looked it up real quick, too. Uh, so, for example, Curse of Frankenstein is on HBO Max. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Library of Congress, all the horror movies that are on there. Um, yeah, no, uh, no hammer films. It's a short list of films. That's a sad, 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 yeah. sad crime there. It really is. And really. it ends with uh, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yes, 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 Clarice. Yeah, yes, Clarice. <laughs> I ate his liver with a nice Chianti and some fava beans. He, you know, that wasn't scary to me. No, it was like when I first saw that, I wanted to sit down and have a conversation with Hannibal Lecter, you know? Right, didn't, didn't, right? I, I got, I, I feel so bad for saying that, but this was sort of like when, when I first found this movie, I was listening to, a, um, you know, a lot of Nine Inch Nails, so I told. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I would have definitely, you know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought this was this um getting back to the movie, I thought this was an interesting origin for a werewolf. There was no curse. Well, yeah, it was a curse, but I mean there was no um he didn't get bit by another werewolf. He mm -hmm. was literally the horror and trauma of his birth is what cursed him. And I, you know, and and I actually appreciated it was like two films in one for me. And and the reason why I say that is because, you know, they focused on the you know, the traumatic conception, not the immaculate conception, the, the tragic conception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the traumatic conception of his birth and what the people um you know around his birth, you know, had to deal with. So that was like part one. Like this actually could have been, you know, really could have been probably a lot longer. And um, and I, I would have enjoyed it if it was a little bit longer, honestly. Um, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, they spent a great deal of time setting the, um, you know, the origin story for, for him. Right. Um, and the parents the custodians of that and you know trying to help this child you know be as normal as as you know as you can you know and, and in some strange way i, I feel like you know it it, it 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 sort of has a lot to do with why does everything always come back to the animalistic nature right yeah yeah you know, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I, you know, especially you know when we're children, you know, because when we're children, we're we're learning to tame the beast. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, because when we're kids, we're we're just we're rambunctious. You know, we we just don't tend to think with our brains because we're not fully developed and we have that animalistic nature. So I appreciated having a child in that situation. Like that was rare, also too. You don't really get to see. Um, you know, a child, you know, go through that that process and how they try to adapt to it. And that poor kid, you know, I felt bad for him. <laughs> yeah. And Did I you... thought he was spooky. The actor's name was Justin Walters, and he's only been in one other thing. But I, I thought he was great in this because, he, he, you know, first of all, I thought he looked like a young Oliver Reed. He did. That was a great, great pick. 
I, yeah. I thought he was like his brother or something, actually. Yeah, <laughs> his little brother. <laughs> yeah, I did. Seriously, you know, or, or either like his nephew or something. But yeah. I found that, that they were not really. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, man, he was creepy. And I thought to give that that little that little kid giving that level of intensity, I thought was really good. It doesn't seem like they had to actually, you know, coach him a lot for that. Um you know, he, you know, the scene where they put the bars up in the room and the moon was just starting to come out. And when they moved that camera to the outside of the bars and you saw that intensity in that boy's face, you're like, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then those teeth, like, and then how the moon was just shining down on them. I'm like, man, he's, this kid is very, very talented. And he's only been in, in one other thing. That's such a, I feel like such a, a tragedy. But, you know, do you know what he's up to these days? Does he have like a, I mean, Facebook? Oh, I don't. Uh, let me, I'll click on him over here. Let's see. Um, he, he died in 1978. What? He died in 1978 in Turkey. Um, the only other thing he was in was a TV British TV miniseries called The Idiot, and he played Hedgehog Boy in two episodes. <laughs> wow, that's so that's so sad. Uh oh, is there a curse of curse a curse of the, of the curse? <laughs> I, no, I'm being serious, Rigor. Like, what like what else do we know about the other cast? Because that's kind of freakish. Like, he was very young. Well, I mean, Oliver Reed went on to, you know, great stuff. Michael Ripper was a mainstay character actor for Hammer. He was in tons of stuff. I'm looking at one of the guys here, um, guy that played Don. Oh, remember Don Fernando, the guy that was pissed off because uh, when he was a little kid, he killed all his sheep, and he still yeah. held a grudge when he was grown up. Yeah. Uh, he's been on Doctor Who. In fact, the picture on his IMDb page. Oh, um, cool. So yeah, the all of these actors went on to do a lot of stuff. I, like I said, Desmond Llewellyn played Q for pretty much all the Bond movies through um, Timothy Dalton. Oh, I think he was even in with uh, Pierce Brosnan too. So man, he was in like twenty or twenty five Bond films. Um, and then a, a lot of the other ones were acted a lot, but they were in British pro, uh, productions. So hmm. we didn't really see them too much. And I, like I said, I I and. You know, just thinking about Oliver Reed again and like the makeup and all of that stuff, like I think I mean, and I'm sure people now when you know some people look at it, they might say, Oh, the makeup's a little bad. I thought some of the wigs were just a little questionable because I did see a lot of black sideburns underneath those white wigs in the beginning. Um well, uh, on the men? Yeah. Well those were those um that was the style back then. Men huh. wore wigs like that over their regular hair. I just yeah, I just thought everybody was like, "Oh my god, the costumes!" But um, it's like you ever see like a British judge? They always wear those and lawyers. Weird, yeah, yeah, white, yeah, yeah, those things. But I, I thought, I thought his makeup for the werewolf was very, very good. I thought it was very, very good. Except for, and I have to say, I groaned out loud when I watched this the other day. Was the 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 first thing you see are his hands starting to get hairy and with those not the fakest fucking hands you ever saw <laughs> i mean but I, when i saw that i mean i knew exactly how they did it you know because yeah technology i mean they did i mean i thought it, it i thought it was great for the time put yourself back in 1961 regor jeez give them yeah but i mean they did it better 20 years earlier with the wolfman <laughs> 
I okay, all right, I'll give you. All right. It was right. if they had done it on his real hands, I wouldn't have had a problem with it, but the hands looked so fake <laughs> that I just I cringed and I hate using that word, but I was like and, totally and you like know, it. and it's so funny because that could have been like an easy fix. They could have just been like, "Hey, I'll you come in and let's just do uh, film this hand sequence really quickly here." <laughs> Maybe because he, he was so drunk, his hands always shook, so he didn't he couldn't hold them still enough for the shot. Or, or either they, the costume designers were scared he was, they were going to get punched the hell out. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me another bottle of rum. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Like I said too, I they do. You're you're right. They do. It's it's a slow burn for to to build up. It, it's his origin story, which is really too bad because they spent all that time on his origin. They now did they kill him? Spoiler alert: He dies at the end, folks. Um, they <laughs> shot him, but did they shoot him with a silver bullet or was it a regular bullet? It was the silver bullet. It was a silver bullet. Okay, it was a silver bullet. It was a silver bullet. But, you could easily get around that, and you have the next movie, the coroner pulls the bullet out as they're examining the body, and then he heals up and comes back to life. Back, yeah. You know, I, I think they've even done that in some Paul Nashy Spanish horror films, so. It would have been nice to see a, a, a second version of this. Yeah. It's, it's but let's really not talk too much about it, Rigor, because some fool in some studio right now is thinking they can do this better than what we just watched. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh man! So you know why they got Yvonne Romaine in the movie was um, they because she was so hot. They oh wanted my her, god! Oh. They wanted oh. to you know basically get male audience members into the oh theater. Oh my god, boy! <laughs> you know, holy cow! I you know I, again with my notes, big buxom boobs. Yeah. I mean, she's in most of the poster art uh, with him, like, carrying her and shit, and she's not even, she dies, you know, after he's born, so. Dude, she has got, <laughs> you know, and I made that stupid comment, and I'm sure a lot of my fans would be like, boy, Dantes, Dantes don't like pussy, but he sure does womanize. Uh, <laughs> but I said to myself, I'm like, damn. I'm like, they knew what the hell they were doing. I'm like, because... I don't know if it was the camera or my eye, like just I could not take my eyes off her boobs, dude. I mean, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, oh, my God. And then that blood was just like so pretty bright red there, like smack dab, like on the front of those things. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not a wolf, but I want to get in there and, you know, <laughs> claw those bad boys myself. They, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she, oh, yeah. I mean, in her performance, you know was equally as stunning though as her body which is to her credit you know she's a phenomenal actress you know even to play a mute right and yeah. i wondered the whole damn time yeah this is and again this is a testament to how you know talented she was it's not like like people it's not easy to play people with disabilities okay right um to play a mute is very very hard you know, because there's there's certain cues and certain things that, you know, mute people do, you know, when they're attempting to understand people. And, you know, she did all of that, you know, but it, it really didn't dawn on me so much that she was mute because, I mean, she was very, she was very sexual, but she was strong. Um, she wasn't strong enough, obviously, but. Right. 
<laughs> it, it uh, being being able to act without speaking is is phenomenal in and of itself. You know. Yes. It, yes. That's basically what I was trying to get around to. I was trying to muster all of the words up there. But uh, <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal gal. Um, it's such a shame that she did not make it. You know, completely. You know, through the movie. But to be honest with you, I mean, I she really sort of you know helped carry the film to that that next interesting place and she wasn't in the film that long and so i i gotta give it to the studio they knew what they were doing you said that she was on the on the covers of the uh film but she wasn't even in the film that long <laughs> right right <laughs> but i mean again stunning stunning woman i would compare her to like sophia loren beautiful um beautiful beautiful woman i'm sure she probably still looks just as beautiful at 85 or 86 oh yeah yeah uh yeah she's still alive she was born in 1938 yeah so, so like what 86 86 or would it be 96 oh my god is she 96 i don't know hey siri what's 2023 minus 1938 85 cool my human brain is still factual <laughs> very good very good <laughs> so one thing i wanted to mention about the sets um in terms of the spanish location where um you know like where the climax takes place and stuff i i, I guess well it doesn't specify what i looked up but it's basically they had um this, they made the studio backlot in england for um they were going to make um Hammer was going to make a movie called The Spanish Inquisition, mm -hmm. and the Catholic League of Decency stepped in and said they were going to banish the uh, ban the movie. So they used it for Curse of the Werewolf instead. <laughs> you know what I thought was interesting, and also too, thank God, man, that they did not um, do this in London um, or you know the traditional English. Um, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. I appreciated the the Spanish migration. I really did. I thought that was a um, you know a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like you know the portrayals of the of the Wolfman have all usually happened. You know, um, you know in those you know in those regions. You and get in, what in contemporary locations too. Yes, know? as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so it was really nice to be in Spain. I love the the Spanish twist to everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, because I was sort of, you know, in the beginning, like I said before, I, I really understood what was going on, you know, being familiar with the Wolfman. You know, I was expecting, I was, you know, immediately expecting them to be in some little quaint, you know, European English Hamlet where the Wolfman was just going to start ripping everyone to shreds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, like I said, again, you know, with, you know, everyone's performances, you know, and even, you know, the, the buxom slave girl, I gathered, I'm like, oh, this is Spain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, especially like the father was Don... Corleone or whatever his name was, yeah, Don something. Yeah, and I, and I, I was like Don Corleone. It was like <laughs> Spain, got it. Okay, <laughs> Don Corleone. That Don Corleone is Italian, but that's a different. Like Don in Italian is like means father, basically. Mm -hmm. um, like I have a cousin who's a priest in Italy, and his name's Don Franco. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, you know, with the exception of the the hand transformation, I thought his makeup looked really good. Um, I thought the it was a nice, painful transformation, sort of like American Werewolf in London. Um, and then when he get just gets out and and terrorizes the town, didn't that remind you of the the remake of The Wolfman in twenty ten? Oh, easily. Yeah, yeah, I saw total references to that. When he stood up there and he threw that, you know, that hay down on them. And when he actually, I think, I can't remember the sequence of events specifically, but I remember watching him climb to the top of it. And I'm like, oh, God, I, I, again, with the, the, you know, modern Wolfman references, I see where they come from. Um, was, but again, like, it, it's nice to watch these films, you know, and know that they are of significance. Because when I watch, you know, the newer films, I can say to myself, "Okay, I've I've seen this before. I know where this comes from." Right, right. And it's and, and I feel like you know, like it's the same in music. You know, if you're a filmmaker, um, you know, there are just certain things that you're supposed to know, or certain projects that you're supposed to know. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same. You know, with you know, being a musician, you're just supposed to know these projects. And and I feel like you know, this film is it really is like the penultimate of all of these werewolf films that we have been talking about because it draws so much this was the first in my mind the the first modern werewolf film in like the modern era in the 60s everybody's got cars we got technology yeah yeah you know like you know this isn't a hundred years ago right right <laughs> so you know i you know again i and i'm serious like i would not have known about this film um, and, and again, like I, I had seen this, you know, lying around, like in my, my parents' home and stuff. And I would just totally like, you know, brush over it. Like, I don't want to watch that old film. Cause I thought it was in black and white. I'm so embarrassed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I love black and white. <laughs> I do too. But see, I can only do black and white if it's like Alfred Hitchcock or the twilight zone. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you did the Wolfman. <laughs> okay. And the Wolfman, I can do that. It's certain things. Everything I can't watch, though. Like, I can't do, like, God rest my grandmother's soul. I can't do, like, you know, those old, like, 50s, you know, TV shows, you know, like Matlock oh. and shit. And, Mat uh, Matlock was, well, first of all, Matlock was, like, the 80s, and it was in color. But Well, it's one of those old, <laughs> old shows. Was it the Heat of the Night? I don't know. One no, that was in color, too, in the 80s. No, you're thinking of, like, maybe Perry Mason? There we go. I couldn't think of the name. <laughs> Perry Mason. <laughs> Oh my God, that is like when you say black and white to me, I think of Perry Mason. Yes, but come I, on, don't you think like you? Uh, I love Lucy or Leave It to Bieber or the Monsters oh, or the yeah, Adams Family cool. are hilarious. No, that, no that's yes, I love that, but that's that's cool shit. <laughs> that's cool shit. Perry Mason is like a slow burning death. Like, yeah, I don't. I'm not a Perry Mason fan. But what about like the Rifleman? I I watched all the Riflemans when they were on TV a few years ago. I could possibly I, I got okay, but you know, I, I did get through four episodes of that. So that's that's a lot better than you know <laughs> than Perry Mason. There, sure. I think there's a lot of good stuff out there that you probably just don't know about. We'll have to remedy that at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, when uh, when I'm in town, we'll, we'll I'll have to come over for Christmas and we'll 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 have a a, a week like I'm Michael Jackson. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Teach me 
teach me, you'll be like my Elizabeth Taylor. I'll come over and you'll teach me about all of my uh, all of my movies that I've missed because I've been working so hard and, and I was born so late. Well, as long as I get to have a guest spot in General Hospital and curse Luke and Laura, I'm okay with that. That works for me. I can pull some things. <laughs> That's what Elizabeth Taylor did back in 1981. <laughs> hey, hey, music is a time capsule, brother. I can take you there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There you go. So um, I just wanted to mention one last thing about this movie before we wrap up um, is that the whole message at the end, not really message, um, but the, the moral, well, I guess you could call it a message. The moral was that, you know, love is the is the thing that's going to solve the curse. It's going to get rid of it. And, it, and a throwback or a callback, I should say, to the original Wolfman was the fact yes. that his father is the one who puts the silver bullet in him. Yep, yep. Yep. And I thought that was actually strangely ironic. Mm. Wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know how else they would have been able to do this film without paying homage to that film as well. Um, but I, I think how they, you know, every film is a, a, a testament to its time. And you know, I feel like those older, you know, the older Wolfman movies were sort of restricted by the times. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Uh, like this film was so modern, like even in the sexualization of the hot slave girl and not just the hot slave girl, like all of the women were, even the old gals were sexualized. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just, you know, the film was really, it almost is like a, a, a window into the freedom you know that these creators had for the first times in their lives you know right. in the 60s you know you know they were trying to rebel against all of the shit that the people who made the wolfman were doing right right <laughs> yeah exactly and you could see like these these films are a good uh, as you mentioned like a time capsule of how the the times were changing back then and it was and, and it's and it's it, it's funny because man like what a world like just watching you know that first wolfman film and jumping to this period now which roger my math may be off or what are we 25 30 years i think 20 tw exactly 20 years because the wolfman was 1941 and this was 61 so in 20 years we went from like this button up you know you know, button, right. you know, up, you know, proper society, you know, to a society where, you know, you know, sexuality was, you know, busting loose, you know, we wanted equality, women were, you know, starting to, you know, being the workplace, you know, and, 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 and that was what I also enjoyed too about this film is that, you know, you know, she was, you know, for how sexual she was, she was very much a powerful woman and she was a powerful character. Yes. Uh, you know, in the end, you know, of course, she, you know, succumbed to the madman, but, you know, she was a character of, you know, the 60s, you know, liberation. Um, yeah. Even, you know, even the male characters were. So when we look at, you know, the first Wolfman and compare it to this one, I'm glad that, you know, I can see the world change in these two films, but see correlations to the original. And I think that's what makes being human um more precious is watching things change you know 
Yeah. And that that was kind of what um what was Hammer's downfall by the mid 70s that you know people didn't want gothic horror films like this anymore. They wanted even more visceral, you know, at the time hey. they were pushing the envelope with these and then other movies were coming out like The Exorcist and shit. Yes. Yeah. And you're and you know and and you're absolutely right and I did not think about that because the tone did change drastically. You know, this was very it was a very like this to me would have honestly been considered like a, a fucking art film. Like if I was alive during this period and I would have been a student, I would have been like, this is an art film. Yeah. Like just because of the color, like the blood was beautiful. Didn't you say that too? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so co- like, it was so colorful. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was, it, it was a literal, you know, artistic projection of that time period. And, I am just blown away by how they were able to tell, you know, a good story like this. And this is a good example of when good writing, um, you know, and good costuming, you know, and and good actors. Um, I can't think of very many horror films like this, actually, that have, uh, I mean, I mean, we've talked about a few, actually, that but not very many horror films that we can talk about have, you know, serious you know serious acting chops right yeah i mean they're all i mean you get a figure too all these british guys are classically trained they're you know shakespearean actors why does it show it i mean it really shows i mean they really lost themselves in the in the characters i mean i can't stop thinking about the marcus i mean yeah I mean, he, you know, and I can just, vi- you know, visualize being in those rehearsal sessions with him and the director saying, cut loose, mm. like, just cut loose, like, you are a Marcus. And that was why it was comical, because it was genius, because, you know, we're not used to seeing that type of fucking pop. We're not. We're, right, right. we're ordinary people. So he is given liberty to exaggerate the character because that is how these motherfuckers are behind closed doors <laughs> right yeah and that's the lesson i guess is that the you know the um the aristocracy aristocracy are bad they're evil you know oh, god they are so fucking evil we should like overgrow them and topple all of the remaining no i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> i just love that he's you know he was nasty to begin with and then when he was elderly trying to rape the the woman christina he was just vile it was oh he just even looking at him made skin crawl you know but but i think that was i, I think that was done intentionally too again that that's the you know the the humor the humor humorous intellectualism of, of the film he became the literal fucking representation of how he was acting right <laughs> almost like almost like you know how emperor, emperor palpatine in the star wars films the older he gets and the more corrupt he gets the nastier he looks you know yes 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 in fact you know i believe possibly that star wars was actually influenced you know influenced by that and you I mean, it's hard to not it's hard to not say that you know, it really isn't. No, uh, and it, it's obvious because, I mean, George Lucas had, you know, Peter Cushing in the original Star Wars as Graham Off Tarkin, and then, as you did. said, he had Christopher Lee as Count Dooku, so... Well, obviously... <laughs> he took it some cues. makes sense, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dantes, on that note, why don't you give us your final thoughts on Curse of the Werewolf from 1961? You know, I... 
enjoyed this movie. I sat down and I watched this movie with my spouse and it was one of the few movies that I did not feel like I had to go pick up a phone uh, because of fear of missing out. Uh, very, very, very beautiful cinematic driven art. That's my feeling about this film. Um, I know we don't do numbers or anything on this show, but I would totally give this like a watch. Like this is a definite watch. If you're a fan of good acting and I mean, real good acting quality over substance, this is a film for you. It's like two films in one and you will be blown away and you will see all of the connections to every good werewolf movie and every bad movie. So yes, please watch guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And I agree with everything you said about this movie. You know, I love this movie. I I've, hadn't seen it in so long. I'm glad we got a chance to revisit it. Um, I love how it looks. I love the, like you said, the costumes, the sets, the acting. I mean, especially loved Oliver Reed's performance. And we really didn't dive too deeply into that. But man, he was fucking intense in this movie. And he, he pulls it off. You know, you can you can see it in his face. And that, I love that about him. Um, the only drawback to this movie, I, in my estimation, is that there just wasn't enough werewolf in it. I, I wanted more. And you um, know, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Rigor, but... No, it's fine. The Wolfman 2010 wanted so bad to be like all of their predecessors that they failed miserably. Right. Miserably. I mean, every, like, this whole movie, I kept thinking about, gee, God, the Wolfman bit, bit this. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it, it literally bit this film. It, 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 it didn't even bite so much from its own original lore. It bit so, it bit a lot from this interpretation because this was the first modern interpretation like we had like I, I i sound like someone who's just discovered sliced bread but i guess it's because i have this, <laughs> is, the first, this is the first modern werewolf film and it's in color i mean right. and, and it is it is overwhelming in its presentation in a good way right you know like and and i appreciate it's so much like I really, really do. And I'm hoping that, you know, people like Benicio del Toro, whenever they're looking for inspiration, that they will. And and I can say this, he can come to my IMBD yeah, I, if you like to. Um, but his and his performance in Wolfman was so heavily inspired by Oliver Reed. I'm sorry, dude, I got to say it. Um, the problem with 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 that is Benicio is you're not like your danger was manufactured danger. This danger was real danger. Like Oliver Reed would like fucking knock you out. He'd knock me out. He'd <laughs> knock, knock everybody out. And that and and that's why this movie was so cool. Like he he had that um God hold Swa on swagger. He had that Marlon Brando fucking swag, dude. He really yeah. did. Yeah. Like. The guys wanted to be him. Girls wanted to sleep with him. Right. Like, he just had, he has, he had that fucking cool. And Benicio was, try, he tried so hard to even mimic the, and, and I know this isn't even about that show, but it's just, it's almost, and it, it almost is sickening me now that I know where his, <laughs> where his bad, and his performance was really bad. The movie was good, but his performance was bad. 
um, that's where it came from. So, you know, I, I hope and pray that all of our listeners really watch this film. Yeah. It is an explanation to everything that you probably have watched or you think that you know about werewolves. Right. Right. And folks, uh, as of this recording, uh, it's, uh, this is around end of October on, uh, uh, 2023 it's on peacock so definitely check it out and if it's not there i always like to and i'm I'm not a show for the company but i like to use the just watch app because i just punch punch in a movie and it tells me what streaming service it's on Hmm. Um, for the most part there's a few services it doesn't mention but anyways um so all right well you know uh one last thing i wanted to mention too is we did a series we started doing a series a while back and it was basically to help people get other people into horror movies and we started you know back in the 1930s and and with the the universal classics and we went through now we're about to get into the 1950s and Dantes I'd love to invite you to join us for those my co-host Chris hasn't been able to be on these werewolf shows but you know let's go through the hammer catalog and you know hit all the major films and talk about them because I think you're really gonna gonna find there's a lot of you know diamonds in the rough in there is more diamonds than roughage I should say but because they're so good if you, if you like this one you'll love the other ones. It's cool. I love it. So all right, folks. Well, thank you, Dantes. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. Can you tell the folks at home where to find you and your music online? Sure. You guys can visit my Facebook page. That's facebook.com/slash Dantes Alexander Me. Or you can go to Instagram.com slash Dantes Alexander, or you can go to Spotify or wherever you listen to your music and purchase or listen to my She's a Lady EP. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. And folks, we'll see you again uh, on the last episode of our 13 Days of Halitober series this year, where it's our Wolfman Roundup, which uh, Dantes joined us along with my kill and uh, Spency. And we talk about the original Wolfman versus the 2010 remake, which you got a little preview of in our conversation today. So have a great Halloween, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today's episode of this year's 13 Days of Hallotober. Don't forget to check out our website at havenpodcasts.com where you'll find our other shows, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers Kung Fu films and spaghetti westerns from the 60s to the 80s, and The Cult Movie Lounge where we talk about all cult movies all the time. And check out our live monthly streaming show, Fright Lounge, in which the best horrorologists in town discuss horror media for the seasoned horror fan, as well as introducing newbies to the genre. And at our website, you can also find my blogs, Then Is Now, The Films of John Saxon, and Horror Films of the 1970s. If you like what you're hearing, please go to wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that other listeners can find us. Thank you for joining us today, and have a wonderful October. educational and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.
more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.